One day in the Garden of Eden, Adam and his wife Eve were walking together. And his wife asked him, Darling, what's your favorite holiday? And he answered her, It's New Year's, Eve. (laughs) Yeah, someone got that a little bit later. It's terrible. Don't worry. It gets better or worse, however you look at it. Well, Happy New Year's, Eve. I wonder how... How do you do on New Year's resolutions? Do you have some? Throw a hand in there if you've got some New Year's resolutions. Okay, a few more than the 9.30 gathering. Well, I don't blame you if not. The thing is, they're easy to forget because they come in one year and go out the other. Yeah, don't worry, we're not done yet. So instead of trying to remember my resolutions, a few years ago I went out and I bought 39 antique books and 27 newer ones that contained everything I would need to live my best life and all of the resolutions that I could possibly want. And so as I read through these 39 ancient books and these 27 newer ones, there were two that stood out to me. Love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the resolutions that I'm going to be working on this year. But as John said, today we are concluding our Advent series, Heaven Came Down. So far we've looked at hope, joy, at our carol services, the presence of God. Last week John spoke to us on Jesus and today we're talking about peace. Today I'm going to be speaking on peace. After a very long and boring sermon, the congregation filed out of church, saying nothing to the preacher. Toward the end of the line, a thoughtful person who would always comment and encourage the pastor on his sermons. And just a note to say thank you, by the way, to those of you who encourage those of us who speak. And this person said, Pastor, Today, your sermon reminded me of the peace and the love of God. And the pastor was thrilled. He said, wow. And just so you know, wow, here's a helpful free tip. Wow is the perfect response in any situation. If someone comes up to you and they say something slightly strange or slightly left field or maybe something that might offend you, then wow just covers over everything. If, you're, if you really love what they're saying, wow works. And if you're really not sure and it's just a bit weird, wow. It, so anyway, that's just an aside. Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and the love of God. The pastor was thrilled. No one has ever said anything like that about my preaching before. Tell me why. Well, the congregant began. It reminded me of the peace of God because it surpassed all understanding and the love of God because it endured forever. (laughs) That was a little bit better, wasn't it? Well, okay. We're nearly done. Uh, I'll do my best today not to speak for too long on peace. This message is a challenge to me for two reasons. Firstly, I'm someone who often needs peace and I feel its absence. But I know that I'm in the minority here because the peace that was written on the front of the Christmas cards that you gave over this season was embodied by all of you. None of you were rushing around at all. You weren't stressed. You weren't arguing with your spouse. You didn't lose your patience with the kids. You, you were just totally at peace. So I know that I'm really preaching to myself. Secondly, I preached on peace two months ago in our mind series. So God is trying to speak to me, even if it's just me, about peace. 
The last time we thought about peace together, we looked at the passage in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul writing, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I talked about our era of anxiety, how there's so much worry in the air, in the world, around us, maybe ourselves, the people that we know, and that there was a time broadly between the birth of Christianity up until the Enlightenment period where the values and the hallmarks of Western society and culture were really shaped either indirectly or directly through Christianity. But in our time, the sacred has been subverted and the influence of Christianity in all of the disciplines of art and the sciences and the humanities that it built has diminished Paul writes to the Colossians, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. What does that look like? Well, what I see in our time is that many people don't have peace because the dominant worldview in our culture is in conflict with their humanity and in the need for truth and spirituality people are following after ideologies in search of an identity which is ultimately betrayed by contradictions which can't make sense of our lived experience and the design of God that rises up in us to the surface but people have to suppress that truth again The ideas that orbit around us every day, which make competing claims on who you are and what you should do, can take our minds captive. We thought about how 15 years ago in a coffee shop, maybe you're daydreaming, you've got those moments of microprocessing where you're problem solving the situations you're facing in life. Maybe you are interacting with a stranger. Maybe you see someone you know and you're saying hello to them, but now we know that we're all distracted, our heads down in our phones. We are oversaturated in our awareness of everything and too overwhelmed to respond. Life used to be tiring for the body, but comfortable for the soul. Life today is comfortable for the body, but tiring for the soul. So in the midst of all of this, peace is what people are searching for. Peace is what people are searching for. We talked about the things that steal our peace personally and what comes to mind when we think of peace. And then when we look beyond ourselves and the world around us to the places where there is not peace, the Lord's Prayer shows us this problem in our human condition. The fracture between God's will being done in heaven and what's happening through the human heart here on earth. So the bottom lines last time on peace. The world doesn't have peace. Everyone is searching for it. God is peace. We become a people of peace through prayer and thanksgiving and practice peace with one another so that we become a people of peace, making manifest God's presence in the world around us. 
Today, we are in John's Gospel. We're looking at one verse, but we're going to journey throughout Scripture together in our time. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. On Christmas Day, we thought about the gifts that we give one another and the gifts that the Magi gave the Messiah. That when we come to him, we give those same gifts in reverse order. The myrrh, which represents our own striving for glory, but the need to deny ourselves and die to that striving. The frankincense, which represents that our life is impure, but his is pure. And then we can turn over to Jesus our gold, which represents the right to rule over our own life because he becomes the king of our life instead. And then when Jesus emerges in his ministry as the Messiah, the gift that he wanted to give his disciples is peace. I'm going to give you peace. Not the kind of peace that you can get anywhere else. You can't buy it. You can't microwave it. You can't manipulate it. It's my peace. It's the peace that he has to give. I don't give the way that the world gives. I give something so much better, worth so much more. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Maybe you're visiting here today or maybe you're watching online and you could use some peace in your life. Maybe you're facing a situation or a circumstance where there's some uncertainty and you need some peace. Well, my prayer is that today God would grace us with the gift of his peace, that he would instill his peace into the hearts and lives of his people today and if you're watching this back. So what is peace? Well, the Hebrew word is the word shalom. And shalom means completeness. It's a a wholeness between your body, your soul, your spirit. It's a rightness in you and a, a harmony between those things. There are two ways that we talk about peace. The first is peace with God. Peace with God. Did you know that you can have a wholeness with the Almighty God? The one who set the stars in motion, who birth the universe and who upholds it by the laws of nature, you can have a complete whole relationship with this God. Paul writes in Romans, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. When you give your life to Jesus, all of a sudden you have the, the spirit of the living God living within you. And he sees his righteousness in you. How do you have this? It's by faith. When you believe, you begin a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so you can be made right with God in his sight. You know, too often we're worried about what other people think of us. What would that person think of me if they knew what I did last week or they knew what happened in my past or they knew 
what I was thinking in my mind. What would they think of me if they really knew me? Well, how about this? We can have peace with God because of what God thinks of us. In his sight, you have been made right. Maybe you've had a relationship with someone that's been fractured. Maybe something's come in the middle between you and someone else. I don't know about you, but my heart has been troubled recently. There's been some challenging things that I've been walking through. Have you ever had a a conversation, maybe with a friend or a family member, where there's been some tension? You've had to ask, are we okay? Are we right with one another? Something we tend to say as Christians. Well, I wonder if you come before God right now and you ask him that question, what would the answer be? Do you experience that peace in your relationship with God, knowing that you are right with him? This is what we call salvation, that we have peace with God because when we turn to Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We're made right in his sight. And so now you can have peace and assurance, a confidence as we walk with him. You can have that kind of peace right now. Well, maybe you're here today. Maybe someone's invited you along, a friend, a family member. Maybe you're just visiting church because it's the season to come to church at Christmas. Or maybe you're watching this back online and you don't have that kind of peace with God. Well, you can have it right now. Maybe God is on the fringe of your life or maybe he's even been forgotten. All you need to do is turn your heart to him. On Christmas Day, we thought about the words in that Christmas hymn, In the Bleak Midwinter. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? I would give my heart. This is the only gift that we can give God in return to the gift of himself to us. All you need to do is turn your heart to him, to say, God, I want to turn from the way that I've been living, trying to carry my own life on my own back, striving and and wanting to be the king of my own life. But I want to know your peace. I want to know freedom from my sin, the stuff that separates me in my relationship with you, that makes a mess of my life and in those around me and in the world. I want to know your peace. I want to be right with you. And I believe that if you say that with a sincere heart, and the Bible says if you confess it with your mouth because you believe it in your heart, then you'll be made right with God and he will give you the gift of his peace. And if you've prayed that for the first time, if you're in this building and you haven't known God until this moment, but you want to get to know him today, then we have a gift that we'd love to give you. You can head to our next step space. We'd love to give you a gift before you leave today. So peace is to be right with God. The second way that we talk about peace is walking in peace. Walking in peace. Not a one-time event, but a people who experience peace on a daily basis. I wonder, do you experience peace on a daily basis? Or are you on the edge of breaking down at any moment? Maybe you're here, you're listening to this, and you're angry, you're carrying that in your body. Or are you walking in peace? I want to be a person who walks in peace. I listened to another pastor speaking on peace and it resonated with me. 
He said that over the years, I've thought that the plunderer of my peace is other people, certain places, or the social pressures in my schedule, which are all the things I said yes to, but now I'm stressed about, and now I'm petitioning God in prayer that people would cancel what I committed to. Anyone else relate to that? And so I've tried to arrange my life in such a way that I would no longer experience those stresses, hoping that God would eventually change people. And then if people would just act the way that they should, then finally I'll have peace. But we're told there's a path of peace. There's a path of peace. Before Jesus' birth, we read about the birth of someone else, John the Baptist, the the one who comes to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's Jesus' cousin, and his father, Zechariah, just after John is born, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies in a song about his son. And the final line in that prophecy is to shine a light on those living in darkness. This is what the one who comes will do. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. The one who comes that John prepares the way for is the one hundreds of years before that Isaiah calls the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. Notice that the prophet didn't call him the prince of convenience, the prince of ease, the prince of comfort. A lot of times when God promises me peace, what I hear in translation is God promising me my preference. But it's impossible to experience peace when you're expecting perfection. Now, I'm not going to tell you who, but there's someone still on this stage who's prone to perfectionism. And sometimes getting pruned by the truth hurts. So if that resonated with me, maybe that speaks to someone here. So what punctures my peace is not other people. It's not the places I go. It's not even the problems in my life. And we know this because in the Christmas story, through a star, God leads the Magi, these Zoroastrian astronomers from the city of Babylon. And through shepherds visited by angels, God brings the most unlikely people from the most unexpected places to the birth of God himself entering into humanity with this gift of peace to give us. So the problem is not other people. It's not the places I go. It's not the, it's not the, the problems or the way that the world is. We can't receive peace because so often we're expecting our own idea of perfection. When heaven came down and appeared to humanity, it wasn't the way people expected it in the midst of the mess. Because it's not that God delivers us from it, it's that he meets us in it. The way that he does this is he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, which is another way of saying, take my way upon you, live my way, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Take my way upon you, and I will give you rest. And we should always be attentive when Jesus says he will do something. 
The way to peace is not a place. It's not the performance of other people. It's not my priorities in order. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. And when you realize that, you stop trying to achieve the perfect situation because you realize that in your situation, you have a perfect savior. So that wherever you go, you can say, I'm bringing peace with me. Not what I'm doing. It's not about where I'm going. It's not my circumstances, it's who I'm going with. Who are you walking with? If we think peace is just an abstract concept to attain, then we'll always be chasing because it will always be contingent on our circumstances. Peace is a person, so we can be at peace on the path. Not because we're not going through it, but because we're not going through it alone. When we go through the shadow of death with the one whose path would lead through Galilee. Galilee is obviously where Jesus did most of his ministry, the the highlights reel. But this path through Galilee would also lead to Gethsemane. Where Jesus would say, there must be another way. Is there another way that I can go through this path? And then the path through Galilee, through Gethsemane, leads to Golgotha. Via trials and tribulations, the same that we try to understand as we experience them when we go through them. More than Zechariah understood in Luke chapter 1, as he gives this prophecy as a song about his son, John the Baptist, who prepares the way for Jesus, who would guide us in the path of peace. Jesus comes in weakness and he dies in weakness to be our strength as we live for him and live the kingdom life. I realize that if we blame people for our stress, then we need people to change for us to have peace. Because if we think that peace comes from people, then people can take it away. Isn't that a challenge? That's how we realize that it can't be contingent on our circumstances. It must be possible to have peace in my past and in my present and in my plans and God's promises for my future when we let him in and we walk with him on the path of peace. I don't want a peace that comes from a convenient circumstance or a person or a promotion or even a feeling. I want a peace that the world didn't give me and so the world can't take it away. When the angels appear to the shepherds, the angels, they too sing a song. And so later in Luke's gospel, what the angels sing is glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Notice that the angels don't sing from the earth, his peace will rest on his people. The angels don't sing from the earth, his peace will rest on his people. Because peace does not come from the earth, peace comes on the earth. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time, that God brought his presence to dwell among people. Heaven came down. Peace came down. The prince of peace. The shepherds were 
keeping their watch for predators around them. The Magi were watching the skies. Peace doesn't come from tracking the weather. Peace comes by tracking your worship. What do you worship? Who are you worshiping? Last time I spoke on peace, I shared with us that there's a scientific study that the same part of the brain that processes anxiety, the things that we worry about, the things that our heart gets troubled by, is the same part of the brain that processes thanksgiving, and the two can't happen at the same time. Isn't that amazing? That when you are postured in thanksgiving, you actually can't experience anxiety at the same time. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you turn to the Lord, this is where peace is. Is found. This is what Jesus says he's going to do. It's not the path to peace, because that means that peace is out there somewhere. When I get everything right in my life, when my priorities line up, when it's all in order, then I'll have peace. When I have the relationship or the accomplishment or the position in work or I resolve this issue, then I'll have peace. No, Zechariah said that this Messiah is going to guide you to the path of peace. You're actually going to walk in peace. He doesn't promise the path to peace. This is not a future event. It's not an if peace. It's not a when peace, but something that comes simply by walking with him. No matter the season or the situation, we can be people who walk in peace. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. So coming into close, what does it look like to walk in peace, to be a people who experience peace daily? Well, there are three practical ways to walk in peace. The first is to spend time in the presence of peace. And believe me, I feel it when I don't. There's a passage in the first letter that Peter writes that says, whoever would love life and see good days and I'm assuming that all of us want to love life and see good days. Then they must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Eagerly get up and seek Jesus for your life because he's a person Peace is a person. If you want peace, pursue him. And this is a challenge for me too. Secondly, learn what disrupts your peace so that you can send it away quickly. Lord, would you help us to discern here today or watching online what steals my peace? Every day the wrong parcel will turn up to your door. It will be packaged like a gift. It will look good and it will sound good. But maybe for you, it's spending too much time on social media. Maybe it's watching the news. Maybe it's drinking too much. Maybe when someone raises their voice, your peace disappears. Or maybe it's spending too much time in the wrong company. We need to learn what disrupts our peace so that we can more frequently invite Jesus into those places to walk with him in peace, on the path of peace. And thirdly, stop trying to carry it all. 
on your own. Now, the previous two spoke to me, but this one is probably the toughest one of all for me and maybe for you. Because maybe like me, you have an independence attitude where you say, I can carry all of this on my own. I can take on this burden. I can walk through this trial. I can accomplish it all on my own. Well, like anything that separates us from God and knowing that peace with him, the root is often pride. And and that's in all of us in, in some ways. It will come out in different ways. But the root is pride. And what I'm learning is that as much as there's part of me that wants to, you can't carry it all on your own. Because you've been created in such a way to worship God, to follow him, to partner with him, and to be part of a body. And this is where real joy and real hope and real life and true peace is found. Maybe you've been carrying something that's happening in your family, something that's, that's going on, you're trying to carry it all on your own. Well, one way to experience peace, the Bible tells us, is to release it. Scripture says, cast your cares on the one who cares for you. Give him your burdens. He wants to walk with you, to carry your burdens, to exchange them with the gift of his peace. God does not say he will answer every prayer the way that we want him to. He's not always going to deliver on your preferences, but what he says is he will give you peace. He knows what you need, even when we think we need something different. And then we can live like him out in this world around us. Just like When he came and people didn't recognize him, we're called to live in this world, but to bring something different to it, something of heaven coming down. And our world needs a lot of peace. So to end, we can often feel hopeless and helpless when we think about the world around us, especially if we bring to mind current situations. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, I was experiencing uh, some real challenge, some things I was processing that were really consuming me, and uh, this was kind of day, evening, even in the night, real challenges I was journeying through. And, and right in the middle of it, there was one day where someone asked me, hey, how are you doing? How are you? And I, out of nowhere, and I couldn't explain it, it didn't make any sense to me, I said, you know, I just feel really peaceful. And I felt like it all day, even though I was dealing with this thing, really challenging. And uh, I I got home, and I actually got home before Joe, which is uh, a rare occurrence. And and I I was home, I was still working, but I was listening to worship music. And I was, you know, maybe I was kind of moving around a little bit. You could say I was dancing, I was was singing, I was worshipping. Joe gets home, she pulls out her phone, starts recording me. It was quite funny. And uh, she asked me the same question. Hey, how's your day been? How are you? I said, you know, I just feel, I feel so peaceful and I just can't explain it. And Joe said, I've been praying for you all day today. And so let that be an encouragement to you. That if you don't believe that prayer works, that prayer has a real power in this world, in the unseen places that we can't see to change the spiritual atmosphere around us, then 
I pray that that encourages you. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. And it's more powerful, the Bible tells us, when we pray together. So when you feel helpless and hopeless, when you look at the world around you, the situations that you face, you can pray and turn to the God who offers you the gift of peace, who says that I'm going to walk with you so that you're not alone on the path of peace because I'm the Prince of Peace. I've seen breakthroughs in prayer. And our prayer is that you would too, leaving here today. And Breakthroughs is our next series that we're going to be journeying through beginning in January next week, 40 days of Breakthrough. We'd love to see you here for that. So what resolution do you need to make today? What does it look like for you to walk in the way of peace, on the path of peace, with the Prince of Peace?